morning. Happy New Year. How you doing? No, we won't talk about resolutions. We don't want to go there, right? Well, I just want to tell you, I am so excited for you to be here today. And I'm really excited about the direction that God is going to take us now in 2023. And if you're a guest here this morning, I just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you're here. If you happen to be looking for a church home, immediately following our service, if you would mind going out to our guest services, we've got all kinds of information about our church, and we want to help you to make a good decision, the decision that is right for you. And we're praying that you would consider making Central Community your permanent church home. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Good morning, and we are so glad that you could be with here, us this here this morning. Now, one of the things that everybody knows is that I'm a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, okay? And so I thought we'd start out the year right, but just making sure that that's clear, right? But here's what I want you to know about this, okay? Whenever I want to find out any information, any up-to-date, the most up-to-date information about the Nebraska Cornhuskers, I always go to this website. It's called HuskerMax. Now, Whenever I need to know something or find out the latest, the most up-to-date information, this is where I go. Here's an example. So a few months ago, we knew that we were going to be looking for a new coach. And so what we would do, or what I did, would do is to make sure I was staying up because I wanted to know what was going. I would always go to this every day. Every day I would go to it, but when I would go to it, there was something that I would do first when I got here. You know what it was? It was this, hit the refresh button. Now, I want you to know something. That's really important. You see, if I don't hit that refresh button, then I don't have the current up-to-date news. In other words, if I don't hit that refresh button, the page becomes stale. The same is true in our lives when it comes to relationships, my dear friends in Christ. If you don't hit the refresh button on a regular basis, daily, your relationship with one another, with your heavenly Father, will grow stale. And I need you to understand that as human beings, as flawed human beings, it is natural for our relationships to grow stale. So my question or my thought for you this morning is this, how do you know that you've hit the refresh button? When you're talking about your relationship with your spouse, with your friend, with your heavenly father, how do you know that you've hit the refresh button? And here's the answer. You will feel a sense of connection. I'm going to say that again. You will feel a sense of connection. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. as I read from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter two, verses one through seven. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, 
These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. For if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, connect, reconnect, and refresh in my life today with you and with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Remind me of the things I did at first, the first time that you called me by my name. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So I wanna introduce a word to you today that you're gonna hear throughout 2023. It's gonna be our theme word, and the word is refresh. Can you say that with me? Refresh. I believe, through my prayer time and through my time spent in God's Word, that God is calling Central Community to a time of refresh. But not just the church, us as individuals too. I want you to think about what it's like when you have been extremely thirsty. You know, it's almost like being out in the middle of the desert. It's 110 degrees. The sun is beating down on you, and you are so thirsty, you would almost give your life for just a drink of water. And I want you to understand that's natural because you and I, our heritage as, a, as from the Jewish nation is that we are a desert people, right? Right? The Lord brought his people through the wilderness, and why did he do that? He did that to rid them of their independence and to teach them about interdependence. And the Lord Jesus tells us, I want you to come and I want you to take a drink of water. Not just any drink of water, but I want you to take and drink deep from my well because my well will reinvigorate you and it will strengthen you so that you can become what I called you to be. Now, the Apostle John is on a Greek island called Patmos, it's not a very big island. 
about 10 miles across and maybe 11 miles long. He's there because the Roman emperor sent him there. You know what he did? He was teaching that Jesus was the Savior of the world. Now, Patmos was an island that the Roman emperor used to exile people. These were considered convicts. John was seen as a convict, and so the Roman Empire sent him to the island of Patmos. Now, I want you to understand that while he was there, he had a vision. Historians tell us that John was probably in his 90s at this point. You remember, he was the youngest disciple. Remember that? He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's now in his 90s, and he gets a vision from the Lord Jesus. The Bible is very clear about that. And in this vision that is given to him through the angel, the angel tells him, I want you to write a letter to seven churches. So here's what I want you to see. In Romans chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. If you go on to the next verse, it talks about some symbolism. It talks about that, the, that in his hand are the stars, the seven stars, and the seven stars refer to the angels. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us the seven stars refer to the angels. They are the messengers. You could maybe even look at them as if they were the pastors. That's the job of a pastor, to be a messenger for the word of God. That's what they're doing. And then he goes on and he describes what are the seven lampstands. The seven lampstands, he tells us, are the churches, the seven churches that he's writing a letter to. I want you to think about something because here's the first question that comes to my mind is this. Why in the world would the Lord Jesus use a lampstand to represent the church? And here's why. The goal of the church in any community is to be a bright and shining light. Our role is to show the people the way out of darkness. Are you clear about that, people? What's the role of Central Community Church? To shine as a light and to shine bright in this dark world so that we can demonstrate and show the path out of darkness to our Heavenly Father. So let me just give you an example of what that looks like. The Bible tells us this is what we are to be in a very dark world. Now, I don't know about you, but the next question that I have to ask myself is this. Okay, so we're supposed to be a light, a shining light in this world. Can you please tell me, Pastor Bob, how in the world do I make my light shine? That's a great question. You know how it is? You simply live your relationship in Jesus Christ. We got a great example of what that looked like a couple weeks ago. I was watching Monday Night Football. Were you? The Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills were playing. Remember what happened? Damar Hamlin, one of the players, had a cardiac arrest 
on the field. This has never happened before. Did you see the looks on the faces of those players? These are the toughest of the tough, and they were in tears. They were weeping, they were crying. And one of the things that I found kind of amusing was this. The announcers had no clue what to do. Did you listen to them? I counted 25 times one time this phrase, we need to be praying for Damar. We need to be praying for the family. We need to be praying for all of those who were involved. I heard it over and over again as they went to the field, back to the booth, back to New York. And then something happened. Remember what it was? One of the announcers said, I'm going to pray. And he prayed. Now I want to tell you something. I don't know if you're aware of this. That ticked off all of the leadership in ESPN. You know why? Because that's not who we are. We're not a bunch of Christians. We don't do that type of thing. But they couldn't say a word to him. You know why? Because they were bombarded with phone calls and notes thanking them that somebody had the guts to pray a prayer when the world was in need. Now here's what I want you to hear from this. That's what it looks like to shine your light for Jesus. It simply means this, you live your life for Jesus so that when the time comes, you know what you're supposed to do. Now, these letters to these seven churches, what I want you to understand is this, these are seven growing churches. If you would look at these churches, you would think, these churches are doing really well. They're paying their bills. They've got money left over. The church is growing. These are really good churches. But what I want you to understand is that all of these churches, even though they are growing, they are facing persecution. And the temptation that each one of them is being asked to be involved in is this compromise. Where are you being asked to compromise? Where at work, at home, where in your life are you being tempted to compromise? This is where we're talking about the churches that we're looking at over the next seven weeks are located in what was known today as modern-day Turkey. Back then, it was just part of Asia. And today, we're going to begin with the first church, which is the church of Ephesus. Now, here's what I want you to hear loud and clear. Please listen to this. Each one of these problems, each one of these issues that the Lord Jesus Christ writes to the church is the same issues, the main issues that we as churches go through today. Did you hear that? This is not just a letter to the church at Ephesus. This is a letter to the church in Wichita at Central Community Church. 
That's the way the Lord Jesus wants us to read this letter. But here's the other thing about it. It's not just a letter to the church. It's a letter to you, and it's a letter to me. Because these also are the seven main issues that you and I go through as followers of Jesus Christ. Some of you may relate to one or two of these issues. Some of you, like me, may relate to all seven of these issues. But I want you to understand what we read in the scriptures. I'm writing to you about what is now and what will come. All right, now, one last thing about this, and then we're going to move on. There's something that will happen if you read the scriptures the way I just described. And it's not from my mouth, it's from the Lord Jesus. And look at what he says about this. Blessed, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this, what is it? Prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. My friends, I want to be that church that's blessed. I want to be that individual is blessed that's blessed, not because I just read from God's word, but because I was obedient. Are you with me? You know what? We're going to find out. Because what you do after you leave this church is going to demonstrate whether or not you're with me or not. All right, now, the writer of this letter, John, in the book of Revelation, was also the pastor of this church. You want to hear something pretty incredible? The leadership of the church of Ephesus was absolutely unbelievable. It was started by Aquila and Priscilla. Remember them? You know who else was a pastor here? Apollos. Remember the Bible talked about what a great speaker he was. Did you know that Timothy was also a pastor here? Oh, and by the way, the Apostle Paul was a pastor here. And the last pastor, before we're talking about this, is the Apostle John. Man, that's an incredible leadership, right? I'd resign in a heartbeat if I knew any one of those guys were going to be the pastor of this church, right? But here's what I want you to understand about this. Remember I told you that this was a growing church, and John was being punished because he was teaching Jesus crucified and Jesus risen from the dead. And by doing this, he offended. No, he ticked off all of the people of Rome because he offended their worship and he offended their loyalty to all of the gods that were part of the Roman Empire. Now, here's what I want you to know about Ephesus. Ephesus was a port city. It was one of the wealthiest cities in all of the world. In fact, it was one of the seven wonders of the world. Did you know that? You know what that means? That means that everybody who was anybody at one day wanted to go through Ephesus. Ephesus was known for the worship of a god by the name of Artemis. Sometimes they referred to him or her as Diana. See, they had gender issues even back then. No, I'm serious. This isn't brand new. This has been going on for a long time. It's not like all of a sudden we thought this up. No, no, no. This has been going on for a while. And what happened was is that people would come from all around because Artemis, or the goddess Diana, was the goddess of fertility and life. 
But you know what else? The city of Ephesus boasted 14 other temples. 14 temples to gods. So if you wanted to worship one or 14 different gods, Ephesus was the place to go. You know what else about Ephesus? Because it was a port city, guess what? It had every textile, every linen, every type of silver, every type of bronze. Anything you could think of was found in Ephesus because everything went through Ephesus. But there's something else I want you to know about Ephesus. If you want to find out about these, you can read these in Acts 20 and also in the letter to the Ephesian church that Paul wrote. But what I want you to remember is this. In this town was also one of the biggest libraries in the world. You see, Ephesus, or the people of Ephesus, were all about being intellectual because they knew knowledge was power. And the more knowledge you had, the more powerful you became. Remember how they would sit and they would talk about all these different type of intellectual things. And as people brought in new ideas, you were raised in society as someone that people looked up to. All right, now, listen very carefully. This is where the problem started. In the center of Ephesus was something called the city market. It was called the Agora, A-G-O-R-A. The Agora is where life happened in Ephesus. Every day, this town city square, this city market, the market of Asia as it was known then, was filled with people. This was where life took place. Now, I want you to think about this. All of the people who were part of the church at Ephesus were either Greek or Jewish. And here's what they had to deal with. Whenever you went into the Agora, there was something that you were required to do. When you would walk in amongst all of the columns, you had to take a pinch of incense and you had to drop it over the fire. And what would happen is you would see this woof go up. Now I want you to understand what that meant. When you did that, that was your entrance into the city market, but it demonstrated your loyalty to Caesar. Can you see the problem that the church people had? Remember what I told you, that the market was the life of the city. And to be shut out of the market to the people at the church of Ephesus meant to be cast out of life. Now, as bad as that was, there was something that they had to deal with that was even worse. It was the worship of the Caesar, whose name was Domitian. He referred to himself as God. Here's why. The Romans owned and ruled the entire world. And here's what their belief was. The way we keep everybody together is we have them worship one God. And the one God, his name is Caesar Domitian. You know the type of names that Domitian made the people call him? Listen to this. Son of man. Savior of the world, Master, Lord, God Himself. I wonder where He got those names. You see, the belief was again 
I'll keep the world together by having everyone worship one God. Now, there was one other problem with Domitian. That's why John is where he is. And Domitian hated the Christians. You know why he hated them? Because they were having such an impact in the marketplace. Hmm. Do you remember those story? Remember the seven sons of Sceva? Remember how Paul, even if they touched the hem on his garment or a handkerchief, there were lives that were healed? Do you remember the blacksmith and the silversmith that were so upset with Paul because he was creating such an uproar and he was ruining their business? This is what Christianity was doing in Ephesus. And so Domitian would make sport of all of the people and he would throw them into prison and he would kill them. Now, here's what I want you to know. This is where the temptation came in. The temptation that the church at Ephesus had to deal with was this, compromise. And here's what they were thinking. If I compromise going into the marketplace, if I compromise by just attending some of these events at the different temples, I'll keep peace. That was the temptation. All right, now, let's get to the letter. I want to remind you of why that impact came. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul did when he was in Ephesus? In fact, the Bible tells us every day from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., the Bible tells us, he preached. And he did that for two and a half years. That's the power in God's word. All right, now, let's get to the letter. Here we go. So here's what happens. The Lord Jesus writes this letter, and here's what it says. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So the very first thing that Jesus gives the people at Ephesus, the very first thing that Jesus says to the people of Central Community is he says this, he gives us an attaboy. He says, I know your hard work. Good job. I know how you have toiled for my name. Hang in there. I know that you teach and you believe the truth of my word. And you do not tolerate false teaching. Way to go. And then he says this. <clears throat> but there is one thing that I have against you. Can you imagine hearing this letter and it was written to you individually? Bob, I know your hard work. I know how you don't tolerate false teaching. I know how you preach the word in and out. I know how you have persevered and you've toiled for my name. But Bob, I got a problem with you. And now he tells us what the problem is. And I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? 
He's saying, I know the hard work. He said, I've been present in your worship, but you're doing it for the wrong reason. You've forgotten what matters to me most. You're doing it out of duty. You're doing it out of habit, and I want your love. I saw how you gave to the chapel. I saw how you donate your time to the children's ministry. I know you brought in cookies. I know you helped us throw parties for the foster families. All of that's awesome, but you've forgotten the thing that matters to me most. You did that out of duty. You did that out of habit. You didn't do it with a joyful heart, and most of all, you didn't do it out of love for me. And then Jesus says something that just scares the bejeebies out of me. If you don't change, I'm going to put out your candle. I'm going to take away your effectiveness. I'm going to take away your power to make a difference, to be light in a dark world. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I just got to drop to my knees. And I have to say, oh, God, I know you're talking about me, and I need your forgiveness. You see, that's what the Bible is telling us we need to do. We need to repent, Jesus says. And then he goes on, he tells us, and go back to the things you did at first. Let me ask you, do you remember what it was like when you first became a believer? Do you remember what it was like when you first were getting married? Oh, man, man, I showered my wife with all kinds of stuff. Now she's thinking, man, what happened to that guy? But it's true, isn't it? Am I? Maybe I'm the only one. But relationships grow stale if we don't pay attention to them. You see, the Lord Jesus is simply saying, I want you to go back to doing what you did when you first met me. So what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. When we first met Jesus, we were about loving him. And we were about doing things to be involved in his ministry. So if you want to know if you put the push the refresh button, you know how you'll know you did that? You'll be looking for ways to go back and be involved in his work with him. You'll be looking for ways that you can give. And I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. I'm just telling you, this is the result of being in a love relationship with Jesus. You will have a sense of connection. There's one more thing that Jesus says, and it's written at the end, and it's kind of confusing, but it's a word of encouragement, and this is what I'm going to close with. Whoever has hears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So what is Jesus talking about there? What does he mean? I'll tell you exactly what he means. In Ephesus, 
at the temple of Artemis, or Diana, who was the goddess of fertility and life in the courtyard, there was this huge, gigantic tree, and it was called the tree of life. People would come from all around the world just to touch that tree, women who wanted to get pregnant, men and women who were ill and had needed healing. They would come and they would touch this tree and they would take a leaf from it and they would take it home with them. And the people of the Church of Ephesus couldn't participate in this and they felt like they were being left out. Now do you understand why Jesus said what he said? He said to me, because, listen to me, if you'll be faithful, I'm going to give you from the real tree of life. Amen. And the tree of life that I have to give you is in the paradise of God. Here's what the Lord is saying. Jesus is saying, I know you're going to hear those words throughout every church. In every church, in every message, Jesus says, I know. How does he know? Because he's here, guys. He's watching. He sees, even though you can't see him, he is here watching. That's why he says, I know. But he tells us this. Guys, this is not your home there is something so much better for you waiting. And if you will be faithful, if you are overcome, and I'll give you the strength to do it, he says, I have a reward for you that nothing can compare to. In fact, the reward is so great, the writer of this book couldn't even begin to find the words to describe it. And that's what Jesus says to you and I. Central community, if you will stay faithful, if you will overcome, I will let you eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of your God. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I bow before you and I repent. I repent of my sin. I confess to you that you are right when you describe me. I know you are accurate when you look at my heart. Lord, from this day forward, I'm going to hit the refresh button. I'm going to move forward, going back and remembering the things that I did at first. I want to have a piece of the fruit from that tree of life. Give me the strength to overcome. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and his strength to overcome. I want to encourage you out in the atrium, there's opportunities for you to find out your spiritual gifts. 
to know about what it is that, how to give your testimony and how to handle your finances in a godly way. Visit out there and follow God's leading. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.